0: Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley, and you're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Vesa Yuvanen, a principal program manager with Microsoft and one of the key people running the Microsoft 365 platform community on the topic of building and sustaining technical communities. And welcome to another episode of the Collab Talk podcast, where we discuss the convergence of technology, business productivity, and collaboration culture. And my guest today is Vesa. He's going to introduce himself and in all the things that he does. But he's a principal program manager at Microsoft, based in Helsinki, uh, and one of the Patterns and Practices community project coordinators. I'm sure you do a bunch more. We'll talk about that, uh, sure. which you
1: can find at pnp.github.io. Welcome, Vesa. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, thanks, Christian, for inviting me. It's a really cool topic to cover as well. So like, like I said, I'm a program manager in the Microsoft side and focusing on the Microsoft 365 platform as a whole now. Um, it used to come from a, I have a SharePoint background as well, because I guess most of us have, who've been around for 15 to 10 years, uh, because that's where it all came from. Uh, but then we ended up in a different direction. So
0: right. I now consider myself an old-timer in the SharePoint space. For, for years, I had that kind of, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, what, what is it called, where you have the imposter syndrome of yeah. I, I felt like I was a latecomer into the SharePoint space. I only started working with SharePoint in
1: 2005. <laughs> I started in 2006, so there we go. Well, there so, you go. <laughs> there you
0: go. Yeah, what was your start with, I mean, were you inside Microsoft or were you at, with a partner? or outside? Yeah,
1: so so I joined Microsoft in October 2006 as a SharePoint consultant. So basically as a consultant in the country level, uh, so in Finland. Um, and that was basically just on the eve of SharePoint 2007 when it all exploded. Yep. And, yep. and that came to be then the massive success together with the community growth and everything really happened from 2007 to 2010 that was the magical three years pretty yeah. much of course the community is still super strong but now we're doing much more than sharepoint um so it's not the dedicated on that one um but i i started as a consultant uh i have a massive massive imposter in syndrome as you were referring to that as well still do so after 15 years i'm still like every single morning opening up the computer and it's like oh god my account worked <laughs> Damn, I can work. Um, uh, but that's it, it, the
0: kind of confidence you want to hear from a Microsoft person. <laughs> exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah. No, but I, I guess we're all humans. So uh, so it's, it's part of the game. And I, um, even though having an imposter syndrome you can play that for your benefit as well because that also means that you can use that energy for good. But that's a separate yeah. topic. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. from a historical perspective, uh, I, I worked eight years as a consultant. So um, in Microsoft Consultant Services, so in, in Finland uh, with the largest customers of the world. Uh, so basically some oil companies, some car making manufacturer companies. And at some point I was working as a SharePoint ranger. So whenever a yeah. customer escalated on something to Jeff Deeper, then I was the only European and Ranger and and so I got a call, and hey, tomorrow morning you will fly to London and deal with it. Okay, fine. I'll you know for, for about a year,
0: I, uh, for about a year when I was on the what is now the Office Three Sixty Five team uh we were in building 12 which i think is gone now i think it's it was part of the the big build going on but that's where all of the rangers would come in and do the technical deep dives that's where (laughs) you had like the the master's programs that were being run out of that and so i don't know if if in that 2006 2007 early 2008 time frame you were ever in building 12 we might have run into each other
1: I guess our first SharePoint master certification was actually happening in building 12. Um, that is true. That's that's because that was a bit of outside of the, the star buildings and it's, it's the one white one. Yeah. That's actually yeah, that. It was because it, it used to have the knock in the basement yeah. back in yeah. the day. Yeah. yeah. So if that was the way super,
0: know, yeah, sorry. folks that don't know what that is, network operating center. So it was kind of the, like all the live.com properties and things yeah. that, Microsoft ran, that was their 24-hour operation center was in the, I think, honestly, I think it was like bomb-proof building. It was the bunker of the buildings. Yeah. But yeah, nondescript little square building off to the side of main campus. Yeah, that's true,
1: actually. That's uh, outside of um, all of the other buildings and all of that. And yep. I still remember the three weeks when I was spent there in the master certification training for Station One uh, for SharePoint uh, master certification. Um it was a room with 12 or 15 people, something like that, as a students, and some of us, every single one of us were also instructors. So basically, we were just flipping the, the roles, um, because yeah. that was the first rotation. We were testing out the material and all that. But it was three weeks in a room without windows.
0: Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> Which is tough. what
1: you want for a knock.
0: You want that... I, I, I have a data center background, and so a lot of those spaces where if you're... It's, sure. it's not a career path that you choose if you're claustrophobic.
1: <laughs> that is true that's uh, true <laughs>
0: uh yeah that was a lot a lot of fun times yeah there was a lot of uh, a lot of my team that original team when i joined microsoft had spun out of microsoft it so you had yep. a lot of the people that came up through the ranks helping support the platform like Joe olison was on that team yep. bill bear was on that team um uh mike watson uh, just a number of people that came out of that organization that went on to do other things and and are well known um but helped worked with the rangers and helped develop a lot of the content for those programs and those certification programs and run those classes and that kind of stuff yeah i actually did sessions at the internal the uh ready events uh, for two years, I one year I was, it was Mike Watson and I talking about governance, SharePoint and governance in 2006. No one was talking about governance. Yeah. yeah and I, it was just Mike and I. And then the following year, it was Bill Bear and I had a session together. So Good time.
1: Bill is, Bill is a good example. He's really awesome. He was in the rotation one as well. And at yeah. the time, we were the only ones who were smoking. So we had a connection of going outside uh, every now and then and have a chat. So that's how we got to be friends. Uh, really cool. Well,
0: so. what was the start? What was the creation? Because I, I want to talk about focus on building and sustaining technical communities and a fantastic uh, uh, example of building and then highly successful has been the patterns and practices team and all the community efforts around that and i know it's not just one thing there are dozens of different sub-communities and things that are happening around that but what was the start i mean what finally i'd say finally clicked for microsoft to to realize hey we need to go help make this happen well the
1: the start is actually a bit interesting so to say so it, it's it's not as a crash root effort so um i was actually by an accident there was a memory in one of the social media platforms for me uh, today where i saw a picture from 2013 uh, from an internal code uh, toolbox and that was the service where you were able to share code internally in microsoft so i i worked as a principal consultant at the time um, and we were looking into ways of helping our customers move to the cloud. So we we kind of already, everybody was committed on the fact that the on-premises, we're gonna leave it behind. Uh, if you haven't left it behind, look for options to move to the cloud, cloud is better. That's, that's still a big proven. space,
0: by the way, of, of for partners, <laughs> especially of, of what we call dark accounts and moving them that have, yeah. maybe they have email out in the cloud, but that's it. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. But a lot of sure. the on-prem moving them across. So that will be, and for folks, if you're in that world, you know, it's going to take some time and we're all understanding and there's more and more tools and expertise around that. But yeah, anyway,
1: yeah. sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 it's all good. So um, as the SharePoint was so insanely successful within the on-premises with farm solutions and extensibility, because I have a developer background, uh, we needed to start looking into options of uh, helping those farm solutions to get transformed in cloud-compliant way. So basically, right. at the time, the only option for SharePoint was then the SharePoint add-ins, and there wasn't really that many other extensibility options at the, at the cloud. And I, I, as I worked as a consultant and as a ranger with some of the largest customer in Europe especially, um, I worked on building code, scenarios, samples. Um, and then the thing is, you realize that, well, I have a lot of actually valuable scenarios and patterns in here. Why wouldn't we share this? How do we make sure that all the other people first internally uh, get access on these samples? Because well, clearly this is useful because if the oil company uh, or the, the car companies in Germany are happy with this, I guess somebody else in, in uh, across the world is. So we established this internal project site where we started then sharing code and sharing practices and, and uh, reusable solutions and even presentations and all that. Um, and that got to be quite successful because we we're pushing everybody to the cloud as a strategic move from Microsoft. Um, and then marketing, product uh, engineering realized that, well, these are the stories which help on customers to make uh, adapt the cloud. So then we ended up going public with uh, that initiative, which was called something like, first it was called GAPS, G apps, G apps, not Google apps, but gaps yeah. because we were addressing gaps. Yeah, that's
0: not a great branding, but yeah. No, okay. it's not. No, it, <laughs> it was internal.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's right. And it was called Office App Model Samples when we went public, uh, which is like, okay, so Office App Model Samples. Okay. That's not a good yeah. acronym
0: either. Microsoft yeah. needs to create names that make good acronyms, otherwise it doesn't sure. work.
1: Sure. Uh, that wasn't a marketing decision that name. Yeah. That was a, a, and that I guess it was my decision uh, because I, I tend to just do logos and all hey, of that stuff. For well, you know, well.
0: Let, let me just, I'll just say that. My, so, my first company, I started up that I in late 90s in the business, uh, in, in business school, formed it with two engineers. And, and our company was called COSIS, uh, Q O S E S, like Roses, but with a Q, yeah. which stood for Quality <laughs> Object Oriented Software Engineering Systems. So I can't speak to bad names.
1: <laughs> uh, that makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now um, we went, um, we went, we went public with the samples, and um, then in SPC fourteen. So in the, I think it was in Las Vegas, wasn't it? It was in Las Vegas. Yes, it was. Uh, was- in Venetian. Yeah. yeah, and and so we had a session where we talked about and shared the samples and patterns. And then we had a CodePlex site, CodePlex Mm -hmm. did exist at the time. Uh, And then we, as we were doing also internal tech ready sessions like you were doing uh, at the time, uh, showing and sharing these things internally, people really like, hey, okay, so these are the scenarios and samples which enable customers now to move to the cloud. Um, And that then came to be quite successful. And in the, I think it was in August, 2014, we moved to GitHub because we wanted to be not hip and pop, but we wanted to align on an open source uh, like thinking. And that was at the time Microsoft was not in a GitHub. So we kind of did the whole thing by ourselves. or moving there, uh, started building things, started building practices and all that stuff. But really the mental mindset was all the time that hey, let's just create a model where as we work with the customers we can share our assets and samples and and they're not necessarily academically the most optimized things and and the best possible things ever but they show a pattern they get you unplugged on showing things or get you unplugged on on tape i have a this thing in on-prem This is how you do it in in the cloud. Uh, So you have a kind of that comparison. Um, And as we worked at the time uh, uh, with the customers, and we had a program internally, uh, which was getting funding, uh, which was funding some of the consultants to actually do this kind of work for the largest customers we had a source of feeding samples in. So all the time, every single month, we got new and new samples, new and new things available for community to benefit. Um, And then gradually it transformed to be then that community started thinking that, well, maybe I will contribute back. So I'm not just consuming, which is completely fine, but I'll start actually contributing back. So I took one sample, I adjusted that, and oh, that's actually a really good model. But if I It's it's that crowdsourced,
0: right? It's that crowdsourced method because then you have you know and it's funny i mean people think of microsoft or any large technology company of uh, this like you know why don't you just go and build this feature I said look there's there's a finite number of engineers and pms that are assigned to feature areas and products to be able to go and build this and there's i mean i'm well aware uh, you know being in product companies that you have to prioritize to yep. prioritize make decisions yep. and there's business decisions as well as technical decisions and a lot of things where a lot of times you're trying to, sometimes you're trying to garner those new, you know, net new licenses and exciting new features. But a lot of what you're doing is refining and building and just trying to keep customers by fixing problems or, or improving the experiences. Uh, And so by crowdsourcing a lot of this and leveraging that you know, the collective intelligence of the crowd to go and yep. provide feedback. And and most of this coming from real world experience, people going and trying it. Microsoft famously always you know, like dog food. That's why I'm also, when things break and, and when I'm on calls with Microsoft people, like I'm very understanding because I lived through years of that dog fooding yep. and where we're working on the next gen code and suddenly all of our you know, tools break down and something we're rooting through and providing that feedback back. But you get a lot of that experience with all of these uh, patterns of practice, practices submissions of people yeah. actually putting them into practice, bringing back and saying, here's what didn't work,
1: this is what yeah. we need to tweak. And, and that's kind of the model which we then introduced. And we've been kind of, a, well, there's been multiple ways of we've started acknowledging the community, uh, which is a super important thing as well. But I would yeah. say the most importantly, it's, it's the fact that um, we started pushing new content every single month, every yeah. single month. So there's a constant flow of new things. And nowadays, it's even on a, on a daily basis because there's at least a new video, technical video getting released at least one. In a day which is a good example of the flow of information because that again helps on then people being interested on oh wait a minute i w- i need to go and check out what's new today or what's what's new since last week because it helps on building then that community muscle that you want to be involved you want to be up to date you want to join on the community calls to hear about the latest things because we openly all the time communicate what's happening and sharing uh what's you new actually, you that.
0: actually just mentioned and i mean important aspect of this is the recognition part of that what what's kind of the story behind that because like i see so i follow along i've joined a couple of the calls but a long time ago but the i see i usually am reminded that there is a a microsoft 365 patterns practices call because i see the shared image afterwards like oh crap that happened again yeah Yeah. i i need to go get back (laughs) on that calendar uh but you you do such a great job of sharing that out and recognizing the contribution what was that evolution? Because that was not something Microsoft did a good job at. There would be things, sure. and, and, and I mean, I remember specific examples of things that happened in the community and Microsoft people like, hey, this is great. And you know, take a look at this. Like how hard would it have been just to mention the person that sent it yes. to you that created yes. that thing? Why is that so hard? So yeah. kind of what is the thinking around the, the PNP community around recognition?
1: uh so w- we started the, the original recognition it has evolved a lot uh, nowadays and we can come back on that uh, in a second but we started with the monthly uh blog post and a summary where we always call out these are the latest samples this are the latest guidance and these are the people who contributed and these are the companies which we are allowed to call out as well and uh, there's some legal uh reasons why we need to explicit permission to call yeah. out the company yep. separate discussion again uh but really important piece of the 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 as people are contributing and helping each other, uh, we wanna use the, the BMP, or nowadays we call it as Microsoft 365 platform community because the BMP is, has a has a definition as well. But uh, and we're trying to acknowledge all of the people, we're trying to use the community uh, channel as a podium for these awesome community members who help each other each other to succeed. So really the primary purpose here is, is making sure that we have we get all of our community members uh, unplugged. We help the community to succeed. And also the contributors who help others will be put on the podium. Um, I don't need to be in a podium. I I don't really, again, imposter syndrome and everything else, but I don't I don't really care. Uh, at this point after 15 years in Microsoft, um, it's it's not about me. It's all about the people who in every single day help each other's in the uh, help other people in the community to succeed. And trying to make that channel and a pipeline to work in the best possible way. There's a lot of people who have their own YouTube channel. There's a lot of people who are actively in a GitHub. They have their own GitHub profile and all of that. And that's really cool. Please keep on doing that. But then there's a lot of these people who maybe they have two hours in a month or three hours in a month time to do something. And if we can help them to provide the value and using the centralized channels, which we have now established, it's going to help everybody. So they will get benefit out of their contributions more efficiently even though they wouldn't have time to let's say spin up their own youtube channel um, and really coming back on that goodwill mentality so passing along that goodwill i will help you you will help somebody else you will help somebody else where it all actually started from as well um, how much so, do, you, do you spend much
0: time trying to you know seed the group seed the community with new people or are you
1: constantly in recruiting mode um, we nowadays yes so so the one thing that we're always trying to do is is act, first of all aggregate collecting the samples to our centralized let's say location so there's a there's a reason behind of that um, especially in a code and a key time, you're trying to get people to contribute on a one location so that we can review the sample so it doesn't have any offensive or any any like that information or sure. details yeah. or pictures because we need to be careful on that yeah. and then we can ask people contribute we of course promote them and by promoting the other people hopefully the other people in the community feels like hey i want to contribute as well because they're getting promotion so that's part of the for sure, on the discussion. And nowadays, uh, Luisa Fries, uh, she's absolutely awesome, active community member MVP. She's helping a lot on recruiting as well. Uh, So there's a, um, we're working together as a smaller teams and a larger team and a larger team. It's like an onion of team layers in that nowadays in this community work, but she's really good example of a person who's who is intentionally recruiting people seeing somebody to have a nice blog post somewhere or a sample and she basically goes and asks hey what about contributing in here so we're able to promote you in the official channels and here and here and here now what about doing a community call demo so we can actually then promote that demo on the on the official channels and the twitter and social media and really give you benefits out of the awesomeness what you have done so trying to again amplify the awesomeness what the community is doing because there's so many smart people out there and, yeah. and if we can help on on making those people to shine even more we are successful well, the other thing it's it's just something to to mention too about you know, you know networking
0: science in in general that there's uh, you know it, it's never a static stable thing you know, as people obviously it's filled with people who are busy individuals we're we're out working we have our day jobs we have our personal lives and all those kinds of things and so you constantly need to be feeding that in as other people you know are uh, not unable to you know stay in as engaged in that and they of course people come back in and stuff but there's this you know constant renewal cycle that we need to have around community and that's even true if you're building a user group within your company or or something like there's yeah, there's always like a nucleus of people that will help drive that. And then everybody else, you know, like comes and goes within that. But you need to have that, the consistency, have that there, the group to know I could be away for six months. I'm doing a bunch of projects. I change
1: jobs, but I'm able to come back and get plugged yes. back in. Yes. And then that's something actually coming back on explicitly on that one. So something what we've done with, uh, with the BMP and of Microsoft 365 platform community, is that we have a centralized team of MVPs and and some of them are Microsoft employees as well. So one of the mental mindset from our side is that Microsoft is not dictating anything. Microsoft is just the one member of the community. So rather the community dictates community tribes and Microsoft is part of the community. So rather than controlling and owning anything, because that's a wrong uh, mindset, which is a bit of a different what we've done in the past. And I guess that resonates really well. Um, but then we have like 46, I guess, uh, BMP team members, and these are our most active MVPs and community members. They, they are all at least MVPs, or then they're Microsoft employees, um, so that we can have a discussion under NDA on, on features which are coming. So we can start planning on the next, let's say, a release, and we can start discussions. And, OK, so we need to seed some samples, so can we do some things here? beforehand before we go public and all of that. And that's that. originally, that team was like, well, originally it was me and Bert Janssen, who started as an internal whatever. We started doing stuff and and building stuff during weekends and evenings because we had a day job. And then we started expanding and expanding. And then Irvin Van Hoon and Paolo and a few others came. And now it's 46 people. Um, We meet with those people on a biweekly basis. Um, It's voluntarily, let's say, community effort for for them as well. some of them are Microsoft employees, but none of us, even Microsoft employees, are full-time on this effort. So it's more the mental mindset that we want to meet. We want to be involved. We want to help others to succeed uh, by giving them our time and then thinking away on how we can help other people. But that's really the... The, the core of what you were saying, basically, when you're building the user group, when you're building a community, you need to have sufficient amount of people so that whenever the one person needs to be six months away, it's OK, because there's a other people who can just step in and help them. So it's not about dependent on individuals. So in the best possible scenario, I can, whatever reason I have to prioritize family for one year, I can do that and stuff will still keep on rolling, um, which is super important thing. To think about as you're growing your open source or projects or communities, um, because you never know what's going to happen tomorrow.
0: It, it's isn't isn't that so true? Going back to like the SharePoint experience, uh, to have uh, named roles, not individuals, so yeah. that you know as things it's the exact same thing with community. You're running yeah. a system. You have people that can step into that role, you have the defined roles and functions so that can continue to operate when an individual is out sick or gone or takes a leave and comes back in. Again, that's part of that, that ongoing management and the renewal cycle of bringing in new people to step in and take a turn at, at leading from that role.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and one of the big things, if you think about the success of, of our, let's say, community work and how, how we've been able to, keep, to uh, keep on this doing is for me, it's always been about consistency. Uh, so uh, nowadays, we, we have two public community calls every single week. We have more than 500 people joining live on those community calls, which is mind-blowing, bubbling number. Um, but it, it all started with a one-monthly call and then two monthly calls, then weekly call and then basically as the demand or as the interest crew we started splitting things and started there's a subgroup of the of the team where we're running something and they have their own things they are responsible subgroup of teams are doing something else but having that consistency that every single week there's still the same things are happening regardless what what's happened across the world every single Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time, there's gonna be the platform uh, engineering call. Every single Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific time, there's gonna be, uh, there's another community call. We will be there uh, regardless of what's happening. Um, And that trust and that consistency really brings trust that this is not gonna go away. Um, They've been doing this now for five years. um, uh, Clearly they're here to help me. And then the community members can can kind of uh, rely on the community people to be there helping with the questions and all of that and if if they move to another community that's completely fine as well Uh, people come and go it's part of the natural transitions as we build these things but making sure that every single day every single week every single month there's something which is happening because especially when you're building your community if it's an open source community open source project or whatever if you need to show that it's alive which is super important something's happening you're providing value for those who jump in to check that okay so i'll come to this user group oh the user group got canceled well i'm not going to come to this user group because user group got canceled even though it was just the one time you had to cancel that but it has a significant impact on the again on the trust level so you just need to be there and that's one of the things at least personally i spent significant amount of my let's say I don't know if it's any more work time or, or not work time or hobby time. Learning of, of,
0: yeah, community and work. and, and Exactly. Yeah, right. But
1: <laughs> so a lot of my time is being spent on, let's say, uh, one-to-one or smaller team meetings across the team members and community members and community calls. And I've tried to be in every single community call just to show that we are here every single time. Yeah, that because is so. That putting is so our cool. own... Is it yeah. the right thing to say? Putting our uh, own ass on the on the line. So not yeah. saying that you should be on those calls. No, no, we will be there. So join. will help on the best we can.
0: Well, let's I, one question. You know, like talk about the maybe the blurring of the lines between community and and work. Because you know, one of the things I, I've worked in organizations, and I'm sure you've worked with organizations as well, that have not been very supportive of the community sure. activities that see it more as like a vanity activity there's like well this is all about like you and that's out there and building your personal brand and things that are, are around there and, and there are certainly byproducts that happen around getting more recognized in a space and, and being out there but something like this uh it, where it is very much about the you know the share the community contribution and working together with other people and building towards something they're you know, there are going to be benefits to your company. If you're recognized, if you're a trusted voice in the community, when, and I, like for years, I, I had, uh, in fact, in two completely different ecosystems. I used to work, um, so part of that, that, that ugly named company that I co-started, that started, um, we had the largest collection of free uh, scripts and apps and solutions for the rational software platforms. Uh, for their clear case and for rational rows, and so we built up kind of a name and in the community for being kind of a you know people started sending us hey could we also host this script this tool this free tool that's out there and so and for us we just wanted to make it available because there wasn't a resource for that we weren't trying to build our names at first we just we wanted to have that collection and add more and give back more to the community but the benefit was that well eventually we got acquired but the you know the benefit yeah. was that we started to get recognized we were getting speaking offers and and user groups reaching out to us and and things like that so it benefited now it was my company my startup that i co-founded but started benefiting the 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 company because of the community activities which is not yeah. the intention same thing that happens here like early in the sharepoint space i used to go out even before i was an mvp and speak at events and things and people would get to the end be like you know i still have no idea what your company does i'm like right because i didn't talk about my company at all and and, 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 and there was a natural place as i built trust built relationship with the people the community well people would then say well christian what do you do what does your company do and then we would have a secondary conversation completely separate from the community efforts My point is you don't have to hammer people over the head with like, I'm involved here. Everybody's selling something. Your company does products or services or you're a consumer of those things, doing other products and services. Like that's a given uh, unless you're independently wealthy and you're just in the community because you're bored because you're so wealthy, you've got nothing else to do and you just want to give back. That's great. There there might be
1: somebody like that. Exactly. I'm just trying to think, do we know any of those people? There might be. They probably
0: don't call it out. They're they're out there. That's why you need to be nice to everybody because they might leave you a big chunk of cash when they die. You don't know.
1: (laughs) Or you're just naturally kind towards everybody. Of course. Other other stuff.
0: (laughs) Yada, yada, yada. I know. Yeah. (laughs) No, but it's, so my point there is that you being involved is in giving back, there are natural benefits of that by learning more of, uh, of hearing more and being aware of changes and thought leadership and patterns that are happening. Hey, PNP, you know, patterns and best practices that are happening elsewhere that you think, you know, hey, we're doing it differently. It's not really working for us. Huh? You know, could learn from this. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe I'm I understand this a little bit better because I'm you know I'm naturally I'm a I'm a collaboration centric person. I learn my learning style is talking, collaborating, trying you know hands dirty, uh, but talking with people about validating ideas, getting new ideas in, and trying those things out. So it's just yeah. that very collaborative, community centric view, and. I, I'm. I just don't think about and have to worry about benefits to the business because,
1: through osmosis, there are benefits that happen for the company. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now to be fair, that is a good, really good discussion point because there's always the, what about, uh, what if the sample is worth of billions and now somebody actually takes this idea and the sample code and then makes billions out of it? And it's, it's one of those things where, it's not necessarily the idea. It's the execution. Um, or hmm. maybe maybe it's such a unique thing. Uh, how many times have we run into such a unique thing, which actually worth of billions? What typically happens if people are like, this is my precious, they will keep on calling that to their precious and their side projects. And for five years and 10 years and then time is gone and the idea is gone. But if you implemented something and showed a pattern, enabled other people to actually use that pattern, and then have a look on how to be other people are extending on top of that. Then you get another idea, another idea. And, and that comes back on that collective knowledge and a mindset and brainstorming, which I mentioned actually when we started discussing, uh, which really then speeds innovation. So there is this classic, this is my precious idea. I'm not gonna share this to anybody because whenever I'm retired, I will make billions out of this piece of code. Well, will you really? should you really wait for that or is it really worthwhile of that but there aren't there's interesting level of a cultural let's say uh differences across the world how people are engaging and sharing and how willingness they are spending their time on helping the 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 community and open source as well it's really the what is it now seven or eight years we've been doing this i guess yeah eight years or something like that it's interesting to see the evolution how how are we going more and more to the, towards the direction that across the world, people are willing to actually build, spend time together and do brainstorming and ideas and all of that stuff. And then from there, make money out of, for example, supporting those samples, which is completely fine. So well,
0: it's, look, my, my perspective, working for an ISV, so working for an independent software uh, vendor that is developing solutions, things that are out there, there's reasons why my product, my engineering team, a lot of those folks, may not participate in there. Like, I think that they could benefit and see some other things which could improve on their own product areas, but they have to be sensitive to the, the IP, the intellectual property that we create, yep. what's actually being shared there. They may get other ideas. Um, but if you go and you look at like the patent process, the vast majority of patents out there are iterative designs. They're building on something that was created that's out there. That was out in the in the public sphere, and be available. But that is something that with any community, you need to be careful about. And that's why some conversations that we have with Microsoft are under strict NDA. When we do things, we have conversations with our partners. We have our partner advisory council, we have our champions, our MVP programs, and all these things where we have mutual NDAs in place and we talk about and provide insights. So we get some of that feedback, but we are more sensitive to the IP portion of what's being discussed and what's being shared. And so that, and that's just the reality that people in the community need to be sensitive to and think about, is this really something that is truly IP or did we make a novel improvement on something that's out there and it's just better. It's great that we utilize it. Let's get validation from others within it, but then let's just share and be open and, drive so, so, our, our revenue, our, our build our software around other areas that we don't yeah.
1: share. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that is that is a really, really important strategic decision uh, every single component should do and, and be explicit for their employees as well. So because we have had situations where a sample or something else, we, we've been forced to pull it. Uh, afterwards, after somebody is sharing something and then there's the, the conflict of interest within the employer of that company. It's, it's one of those things where of course we don't wanna violate any of these things. It's It shouldn't be happening, uh, but it, it's an educational thing as well. Um, so every single employer have to make a knowingly decision. Uh, how do we consume? How do we use open source? Are we, contribu- are we allowing contributing an open source or are we not? Um, and it might be actually even a higher uh, or let's say a decision to move to a company where people are allowing you to be part of the community. And it might be that it's an only decision by the employer to say that, no, no, we are not allowing this. And completely fine. As long as that decision is done, that's the key point, rather than being in an unknown situation. So-, you know,
0: I, so I've been an MVP now for 10 years. And it's I, I think in all that time, I've only been aware of, you know, speaking of the MVP, Microsoft MVP program, uh, maybe three or four MVPs that shared some NDA and published something or other. And, I, and, I, and I, of those, I'm trying to think if any of them was like an intentional thing that they went out to try and do it. No, it was like mistakes were made, but the standards were broken. And Microsoft was fairly swift in saying, you're no longer part of the program. Uh, the other, the downside as well is that for the rest of us that didn't violate the NDA, things got locked down much tighter for a while, which made, meant there was less sharing between Microsoft and the MVPs and things. Have you had any of that kind of experience within
1: PNP? Not within our community. No, no, I, I don't, I, that doesn't work like that way in our case. So uh, like I said, th- those things have happened when the employer has shared a code piece and then yeah. uh, employer uh, company re- Basically, requires that no, 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 we own all of the IP. So, Unity it wasn't pull a magical piece yeah, of yeah. code. It yeah. wasn't a magical piece of code, but again, that's fine. Completely um, mistakes happen. But we have not really had a situation where MVPs would have actually shared too much of things. Uh, and one of the reasons, potentially, also is that nowadays, if we think about the transition from 2006 to 2005 to 2022, um, we are old, Christian. We are old. I know. Um, so, hey, I, hey, I have grandchildren, Vesa. So there we go. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I'm it depends old, on yeah. when you start to doing them. So, uh, I well, but, I got
0: married when I was eight. So yeah, I do the math. So I'm yes, 27 now. You know,
1: 27. I'm not that young. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess that one of the key points. What we also done and transitioned or emerged or being. Different as a Microsoft is that we're much more open, we're much more transparent. We are in publicly, we have roadmaps, we talk about the things where we're planning to invest. We're basically not set up with these are the list of things what we're planning to do, subject to change, and there might be changes, but these are things what we're looking. Whenever we actually did the release cycle of a product in every single three years, it was different because you basically bet millions and millions on that new classical future massively feature. And then you're crossing your fingers that this is going to return yeah. the investment. So, yeah. something super classical, which I hated, was the search driven websites in SharePoint 2013, the com sites, which were search catalog driven, which never took off. Um, but you can only imagine how much we as a Microsoft invested on that technology and the thinking, and nobody used them because they were horrible. So, the implementation wasn't really optimal. So, but it's well, the whole dot com side of SharePoint is on. gone. So. Okay.
0: Well, the, well, it's it's so funny, you know. Being in, uh, so I started my career in over in the project management world, and and then got into project and portfolio management technology. So much of that is, as the kind of the, the agile method for development and, and project teams and having regular scrums, the constant reprioritization reprioritization of tasks. What are we doing? What's the the focus? What's the goal? Doing smaller and smaller. You know tests let's go and pilot this let's do our alpha let's do the formal beta and then drive the feedback back so that it becomes this constant iterative cycle around it sometimes let's yeah. just I, I'm not suggesting like slap like some companies did slap beta on it for 10 years, you know, no that's not what we're talking about yep. Um is Gmail still data?
1: Right? I, I, I think... Good question. I guess it is. So. <laughs> uh,
0: but, uh, but anyway, with that is, uh, it, it, and so our, just the way that we've looked at and being more data driven, so that that great drinking word, telemetry.
1: And, and that's actually a really good point. So some of the the, the PMP thinking, so I'm, I'm nowadays no longer a consultant in the, in the things. I got then sucked into engineering and then... They, they asked me to move to Redmond, and I said, no, no, not going to happen. Your call. And then I ended up working from here, so uh, which is a coin, strange coincidence. Nowadays, everybody's working remotely, but at the yeah. time, it yep. wasn't quite typical. Um, but and as I'm part of the engineering team and a platform team for ODSP, ODSP Viva nowadays, so thinking on, on the platform and capabilities, we actually also use our open source and community channels to address gaps. So uh, coming back on the original name what we started, the BMP internally, what's gaps, G apps, yep. gaps. Yep. So, but a lot of the work, what we do with, with the open source and community is also about experiments and testing and addressing those gaps. Because again, coming back on your prioritization and data-driven design in the first-party experiences, which you were just talking about, it's not like there's unaffinited resources, infinite resources in Microsoft. So we need to prioritize the internal work and internal APIs and internal features and then the question is can we help the community side and open source side of addressing some of those gaps which we know there's always gaps nothing is perfect never um can we help with that side to do something and preach towards whatever the first party is providing and that's an interesting part of the of the open source and community work what we do um, up to the level of really good example is the lookup service uh, which is based on the lookbook.microsoft.com, where you can go and then provision core-looking sites uh, using uh, the templating engine. The templating engine is open source. But the lookbook.microsoft.com is kind of a, then a wrapper on top of that to showcase the art of possible in modern SharePoint, so cool looking portals. So we're using the lookbook to basically test out different templates, and then when some templates are catching on and people are using them a lot, we can actually know that, okay, let's invest on this and move it to the first-party template side. So it's a really good example from a product innovation perspective why the open source community and that feedback channel actually helps a lot as well because then we can test out things without testing them necessarily in the product.
0: Well, I'll make the same argument for ISVs like myself for SIs or consulting companies that are providing services around that as well as end-user customer organizations being especially if they're large deployments of any aspect of the technology to be involved Microsoft is looking for to fill gaps uh, isvs are looking to like hey get an idea or hey this clarifies that gap there may be another product opportunity around that or to add on to an existing product set consulting companies are looking at it and saying again hey there are these you know, patterns and practices around of filling out these, we've identified these gaps. So they become more aware and can provide greater value to their service customers and yep. end user customers look at that stuff. And again, they can look at the gaps and say, Hey, then there might be, you know, this solution that was developed by the community to fill that gap, or I can work with ISVs or I can work exactly. with the consulting companies. So it just raises Awareness. I I love this. It's old timey, but I'm an old guy, so I can say this, but I love the phrase of a rising tide floats all boats. Like it really is. We're working together. We're doing this thing so that we can all together, you know, rise at kind of the same level. Everybody can get value out of participating in these kinds of community activities.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. And, and, and like I said, there's always the opportunity of, of, so, Technically, personal, my personal perspective. All of the samples and referencings, what we're doing. I, I, seriously, I hope that there are partners and ISVs who basically go and take them, pull them down, polish them, and make billions out of them. Because yes. if you're an ISV provider um, and you're providing a support and and uh, the, for customers on that sample, which you it was open source, it's MIT license, it's completely fine to do this. Yeah, that's the mental mindset. We want to showcase. The art of possible in the platform uh, by providing samples and then again crowdsourcing, helping everybody to success, understand those ideas. If you take one of those samples, polish it out, put it in the store and hopefully you right. will make millions I don't, or billions or cachillions, yeah. I don't know. Trillions.
0: I think, yeah, I think the technical term, yeah, kajillions, I think, is uh, yeah, the most appropriate That's theory. a lot. Yes. Well, Vesa, I really appreciate your time. This has been great, great discussion. Uh, and again, for folks that aren't aware of it, you know, you can go out to the site, which is pnp.github.io. You can find it. It's a great layout. I've pointed people back to some of the resources and the content that you know, are through the site. But you also get all the information about the various groups and their regular meetings that are happening. So you can... Yeah. Um, sign on at the You scroll down all the way to the bottom past the resources, the SDKs and other toolkits and things is then you have those, uh, you know, the 40 plus members of the various communities of Microsoft and MVPs that are part of the program and all their social connections so it's a it's a great a useful resource just in the site itself, go check it out
1: if you're not familiar with it. Basis. Thank oh.
0: you so much for your time. Oh, oh. one last thing. before you. Before you. Okay. The last thing.
1: Last thing. And as you go to that site, and as you have contributed, hopefully, or help a contribution, even in docs, you you go to the Microsoft docs and you find a typo, you fix that. One of the things uh, from that site you'll find also there is the BMP contribution uh, contributors program, which is a cool, really cool thing, which David Warner is now uh, driving. Uh, David is one of the BMP team members, so one of the core team members. So you can actually get a same uh, critically .com certified uh, batches uh, from our PMP program. So based on your contribution, if you contribute a sample on team samples, SPF examples, or a documentation or a blog or a script and so on, you can actually achieve separate set of batches, uh, which will be then right next to your other uh, Microsoft certified batches uh, in your listing in the credit.com. So that's a great way of then showcasing that you've been active of the community and you're contributing and, and we're looking into growing this let's say, acknowledgement program even more in the future. Are those Sorry, Christian, I have on, to explain are,
0: that. Yeah, yeah, no, no worries. Are those badges out on LinkedIn yet?
1: Uh, yes, we are seeing people to uh, proudly promote them in LinkedIn, yeah, yeah. and in Twitter, and in social media. And absolutely, because, again, uh, that's what we want. Uh, we want it, everybody to contribute uh, to feel that their contribution is valued um, any way we can. And if there's any people who have feedback, ideas, uh, please reach out. Uh, this is not Microsoft dictating, this is Microsoft being part of the community. And, and we built all of this for you, so. Well, I, I'm a big fan of uh, gamification, which is a completely different other topic we've talked
0: about for the community, but basically, thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I, I, I hope to join one of the uh, the, the future meetings here and, and uh, see you. Hopefully, at some events, maybe later this Um, year as
1: well. So, you mean in person? Wow. In person. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Christian, for having me. Really, really cool discussion and cool to always recap where we came from because it's it's a good reminder for myself as well. So, we've been doing this for a while. um, And, but again, consistency is the king. So, perfect. All right. Thank you so much for
0: doing this. I know I'm getting here. I've got uh, ducks pinging me. Apparently, there was there like a meeting that everybody was available except me. Christian, can you join us? No, <laughs> no. That's it. I'm sure you had the same experience. Where now I'm I'm double and triple booked yes. every day yes. for multiple things. And uh, and so like I was working till about ten last night. Like I'm having fun. A lot of lot of cool stuff going on. There's a lot that's that's going on. And I manage some very distinct areas that are very separate. And yep. uh, and so sometimes I just have to, like the meetings end at, like last night, it ended at 6 p.m. And then I had work to do.
1: Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm working in in switched hours, so I kind of start at 11 a.m. and then I go potentially to 11 p.m. and so on. So it, it it's it's complicated. But but coming yeah. back on that, I was just thinking that I guess that's part of the age and experience as well. So people need to have the validation from you that their idea and the thing is good. So it's it's yeah. one of those things where as you go up in the let's say experience level, because I wouldn't say that it's all about the ladders people just want to validate and we are most of us well some of us are imposter syndrome or we don't feel confident about the role and the ideas so then they need a bit older people to say to them that awesome jobs well you
0: know that i started the my monthly tweet jams which we just had our 10-year anniversary last month and i started that in january 2012 the whole purpose of it was to to uh, throw topics out there and kind of crowdsource the discussion, get yep. different perspectives. Because I knew I was in working for an ISV uh, that I had this echo chamber. I wanted different opinions, uh, You know, people outside of the Microsoft ecosystem and we had a broader topic and just to get different. And I don't think that there's a, and I've been doing it every month almost for 10 years. I, yeah. I think I've in the 10 years, I've missed maybe three or four months. That's it. Yeah, and just due to travel or sickness or whatever. Um, but the uh, yeah, with all of that, it, it it never ceases to amaze me that I can read through all of the tweets, all of the conversation, and be like, I never thought of that. I was not aware Excellent. of that scenario, and that's a different approach than I would have thought. And I get blog content ideas. I push ideas. I I I know to reach out, like I'm going to talk to that person, understand better their situation their customer scenario around that it's been fantastic and a lot of it just is validation
1: yep yep that's true that's true
0: all right basically let you go thank you so much late on your friday thank you
1: no worries no worries typical working time still unfortunately (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I know that the, the multi-time zone thing. So
1: yeah, that's, that's the thing. So <laughs> and don't, yeah, gets worse with the China and India and everything else, but, but again, I had it
0: once, so. you know, 12 years ago, I had it. Uh, my architect was in Toronto. I was in Seattle. I managed my team that was in Australia and India. Yeah. Well, that's and nice. <laughs> five days a week we had, it was so Sunday night at 10 PM to reach India uh, yeah. and I did that for a year and, uh, then I was done.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I get to do this community stuff at least part-time of my, my job, which is, which is great. It is just really, really fun. satisfying to see that yeah. we yeah. were able to help people. So um, yeah. I, that shows, shows energy. So, which is really cool. So, exactly. All right.
0: Hey, we'll talk well, to you soon. See you later. Good. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. New episodes are published every Friday, and you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and most other podcast services. Thanks for listening.
1: Hungry for more great content? You have to check out the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Dux Raymond Sai, Chief Brand Officer at AppPoint. And I sit down to chat with top business leaders and IT professionals about their most challenging modern workplace projects. Tune in to hear real life advice from industry peers on making plans and pivots, casual conversations exploring the latest trends in collaborative Microsoft 365 technology and easy actionable strategies to make organizational change happen. Subscribe to the Shift Happens podcast today available on all major platforms. Can't wait to see you there. Shift
0: Happens podcast.